0: You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network.
1: This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Clips it down, the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill!
0: Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away.
2: I the hit of that man to
1: help you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle. Waddle. To a shotgun. Back to throw. Looking steps up. Fires. Touchdown.
0: okay it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown, six touchdown pass of, of the day.
1: Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your
0: pulse if you're not fired up.
1: What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, Miami Dolphins football practice is back. Here we go. The 2023 campaign is kind of underway. We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. We're going to hear from Christian Wilkins, Jalen Waddell. We're going to hear from Jeff Wilson and Austin Jackson, and we'll detail the practice and the events on the practice field like only you can get here on the Drive Time podcast from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time podcast. So we are going to weave coach and player sound bites into the podcast here, but I think it's worth starting off with a little bit of housekeeping, and we do that off the top here with Coach McDaniel answering a question on Tuesday morning's media availability about two players in the defensive backfield who have been very productive here in the Aqua and Orange, both coming off unfortunate season-ending injuries in 2022. Let's kick off the podcast here with how Coach kicked off his presser well, after he praised both the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers, noting their ability to do what a lot of folks didn't think they could do as eight seeds here in this postseason. But coach was asked about the progress of Brandon Jones and Nick Needham.
0: I see uh, Brandon and Nick every day. Um, When I say diligent, that's what their days are. Um, So they are, uh, I feel good about where they're at right now. What does that mean Um, down the road? I try not to get consumed with like, all right, you're going to be ready now so that you're wearing that anxiety. Like we just want to stay on schedule and or ahead. And um, all reports have been just that because of the way that uh, our, our medical staff goes about their business and um, the way they attack their, their, their whole rehab. So I'm excited about them.
1: So I thought that was great to hear about two players who are going to be important cogs in this year's team and their progress back from injuries a season ago. Next, another player back from injury is Trill Williams, and the question was posed to coach about a potential position change for him to the safety spot, and he kind of had fun with the question, but ultimately gave us this answer about the power of being cross-trained and being versatile on defense, especially when trying to learn a new system.
0: This is the off season. There's a lot of power um for players, uh, specifically when you're learning a new system um, like our uh, our defense is currently um, learning to be able to have versatility is always powerful when you're when you're talking about um, being an NFL player and there's no better way to understand your responsibility within that said structure of a defense than understand what, other contributors uh, and how their issues apply to your issues. And um, that cross-training stuff um, will always be a part, Um, and it's certainly for a a couple individuals on our defense something that we're trying to attack um, with that versatility. Uh, So move. Um, If you're reporting it to our opponents, you can say we're moving guys left and right. Um, but for, you know, in-house, a safe place for you guys, it's just, versatility is a good thing.
1: And then we get out to the practice field, and as South Florida is wont to do, the heavens opened up and gave us, calling it a shower would be, understating it a little bit. It was a a nice little downpour there for about 20 minutes, but fortunately, it only lasted those 20 minutes before the sun came out and dried up all the rain and the itsy-bitsy spider, the Miami Dolphins, came out for a football practice uh, to get some playtime in, like the spider did himself. But you know how it goes down here. You you get a, a downpour of rain, all of a sudden the greens dry out in about 30 minutes and you're back to normal green speeds. Enough golf talk. Look, there's... There's never a ton to look at during warmups or indies and that type of stuff, especially during OTAs in the month of May. Real football doesn't to start until, you know, what, four months away from now. But I do think it helps create the comprehensive feel that I'm going for here on the podcast. And this all tracks with something that Coach said at his press conference, and it's an annual thing. Austin Clark having an infectious energy that reverberates throughout his defensive line group and that audibly reverberates throughout the Baptist Health Training Complex, which has coincided with, quite frankly, some of the best defensive line play in the National Football League the last few years under his watch. I mean, you don't wind up being a guy that has stuck through, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, two coaching staff changes when you think about going from you know 2021 to last season to now a new coach on defense. You've essentially had three different coaches on defense the last three years, and he's still here. He's still kicking because his unit performs year in and year out. And sure enough, early on, you hear Coach Clark out there imploring his guys to bring the effing juice. And wouldn't you know it, just seconds after that, I look over and Randy Charlton, the rookie out of uh, Mississippi State, Breaks the sled. Coach, I broke it in your toy. We'll have an injury update for you guys on the sled on a later podcast. I think it was questionable to return for the day. Didn't see it come back out. But back to Coach McDaniel, here's what he said when asked about Isaiah Wynn, that acquisition acquisition, acquisition and how it might what it means to the rest of the players on the offensive line, notably, you know, an Austin Jackson at right tackle, where Win has played in the past. A Liam Eikenberg at left guard, where Win has played in the past. Here's Coach talking about the Win acquisition, and I think there was some Cedric he kind of tilted into this as well about the theme of competition you're going to see all summer long here in South Florida.
0: It's like everything else. We're a product of our environment, and when guys are going about things the right way and have um, experience playing at a high level in, in the in the NFL that um, it raises the urgency, it raises the competitiveness, and overall um, helps every player involved. As long as people are working together, which um, you know all of our Georgia Bulldogs um, are good teammates. So uh, the uh, he he's been awesome. He's uh, Uh, He's getting work at several spots um, and has the opportunity uh, to win some playing time at several spots. Um, But it's also, you know, there's only five players that play um, uh, each down. And um, overall, I know the uh, collection um, of the offensive line is best served in this current environment, who those people are. Um, you know, that, that goes against, I don't do the magnet slotting. You know, I let people, um, in situations where they're, they're performing their lifelong dream of a job, decide their own fate. Um, so just throw a bunch of guys in that fit the bill. And, uh, I think the dolphins are best served, um, waiting and see who tells us, um, it's going to be a starter or or backup or whatever.
1: And like we'll mention here soon, you know, no Teron Armstead, no Connor Williams. You're going to get plenty of work for those guys and, and guys like Kendall Lamb uh, you know they got some playing time last year, Jerron Christian. There's and there's, there's all kinds of players in this offensive line that are going to have a chance to to really prove themselves here for a coaching staff that traditionally, you know, going back to San Francisco, has found a way to to get more out of the sum of the parts than I guess you might see individually there. You know, looking at just the Niners last couple of years, for instance. You know, last year in particular, they really pl- played a level that was above board for what their their typically uh, their, I should should say their skill set would would suggest. I think you can get some of that here with the Miami Dolphins, especially as you get more and more into the system, identify guys that fit that system and fit the environment like Coach talked about there. So interesting stuff there. Then we still have practice. You know, last year it was a lot of days that were... I guess, dominated by the offense and you certainly had, you know, your trading of victories, but most days it did seem like the dolphins passing attack was the one that would do the damage. And that bared out over the season, right? I mean, that's not even up for debate. This is, you know, an hour of football in the month of may, largely seven on seven. So let's go ahead and make sure we put a disclaimer on all of this to not go overboard one way or the other. The job is report on what we see and that's what we're doing here. Sound good. So during the first portion of practice, I thought the defense really, really showed the work they've been putting in in terms of getting this defense down, getting Coach Fangio's system, you know, second nature. I thought passing off in coverage, identifying the correct spots to double team and and filling the voids, replacing those vacancies with, you know, Rotation, the communication on the back end—it all looked really good to me, and it resulted in some coverage sacks or the quarterback, you know, patting the ball and and fleeing laterally to find off-script action that you have to in this type of practice environment. You have to simulate that where you can't get live bullets. You have to just say, okay, play's over, you got the sack, but continue and let's get the work in, anyways. And we—I mean, I saw them, you know, number 19 last year's uh, playoff starter, Skylar Thompson many times not have a chance to throw the football because he couldn't identify who was open against this defense. And it wasn't that way always, but against that particular quarterback, they really kind of had him, you know, a little bit confused back there. But there's two parts of this that I want to cover. First, the sound from McDaniel when he was asked about Andrew Van Ginkel's role and coach describes the value of cross-training players. You know, he mentioned it there a little bit with Isaiah Wynn, but here he is talking about, the scheme becoming more second nature and getting to know a new system by cross-training because the best way to do it, well, here's what Coach has to say.
0: Um, I know from an offensive perspective or an op- offensive standpoint, um, when you have an edge player um, that will in packages or maybe a game or maybe no games um, have the ability to play um, off the ball backer, that, uh, in terms of identification for how, how you pick up protections, and th- those things are very important. Not to mention the fact that um, you can, you know, position flexibility uh, allows you to have an extra human being at each position on game day, you know, a little two for oneer. Um, so I think, uh, on top of just understanding all of the defense it's instrumental because um you know every piece of the puzzle has to cover at some point um and then um understanding rush patterns and all of those things it's just it's beneficial to a guy that we thought um that that le- led by Vic and um really just our entire defensive staff thought that he was at the point of his career where he could handle that and that's it's a. Uh, advantageous for us, um, tough for the opponent. So sounds like a win full circle.
1: It's just funny how it goes in this job sometimes, because I didn't plan for it to work out this way. It just kind of did, you know, coach says that. And then my first note, my very first takeaway from practice 2023 was how smooth the defense looks. Now, Christian Wilkins to move to the defensive line reminds us that it's early and they're still working to get it all down
2: we got some good stuff and we got some good players on the defense um, you know just we got to continue to just grind every day learn it pick it up as fast as we can um, so that way come mini camp come training camp we're just flying around playing fast not really thinking um, we're all still really learning it so you know there's got to be mistakes in that but you know guys are still working hard to get it right and playing playing the butts up so uh, you love to see that.
1: We'll hear more from Christian here shortly. He gave us plenty of good content there to chew on. And just talking, you know, the way he articulates the game and his approach, it's always so fascinating. I mean, I know stuff about Christian in terms of his approach and just the fact that the guy, like... Won't even go out to eat a meal because he wants to be on his regiment on his schedule. It's it's so impressive to watch that guy work and the way he's become you know a good prospect and a first round pick to now one of the best defensive tackles in the National Football League. I want to pivot next here to the guys that Christian chases the quarterbacks, although doesn't chase our guys because you know red jersey don't do that. But uh, we heard Mike McDaniel talk about Tua Tagovailoa's off season, what his approach was to the judo, to the jiu-jitsu, all the stuff that we talked about and. Frankly, I'm tired of that subject. It was a subject again today in McDaniel's press conference, but I thought this soundbite talking about Tua's intent and the way he went about basically, you know what? Let's just go ahead and hear from Coach on how impressed he was by his quarterback this offseason.
0: I've seen a guy that's followed through um, with his words as well as any young young man I've ever I've, I've come across in my career. He's... Uh, he... Uh, Controlling the controllable is something that I would epitomize his off-season with. Uh, you you want to talk about, um, you know, going above and beyond, you know, training uh, martial arts um, so much so that he knew the training before he knew what it was called. He was, I think he was calling it judo and jujitsu um, is what he was doing. But uh, that, in terms of uh, helping him uh, progress in his career has been phenomenal. Um, the, the, the work that, they, that he's done this offseason, um, it was so obviously beneficial that we've incorporated it into uh, some of our drill work that we'll do with the quarterbacks. To um, you know, I think it was uh, it, Teddy Bridgewater made this point to me last year as a quarterback, you go um, September starts and then you get tackled. And then you get tackled for six months and then you don't again until September. So how can we help train um, you know, quarterbacks to stay healthy? Because um, it wasn't just Tua. It, how do you stay healthy in this game and stay available? And that's something that, um, that whole off-season training has really helped us try to take a good um, step in the right direction um, for how to how to best prepare players for
1: NFL season. And frankly, the reason I wanted to play this, you know, I thought in one practice session you could see a bit of emphasis on playing a little bit faster, getting the ball out a little bit quicker, and that sounds crazy, right? Because this is a guy who among quarterbacks who qualified in terms of pass attempts for this stat last year, got the football out faster than anybody else. But on the plays when it's not there, those are the plays that he got injured on, right? Held the ball for over three, three and a half, four seconds when read one, two, get to the backside, read three and four. Those are all covered up and you have to extend from there. There are chances and opportunities to do that and understanding the clock in the back of your head when you can do that stuff. But when you're in the pocket hunting for plays and they're just not there, be a little more decisive in finding the check down options. And we saw that in this practice on Tuesday, two instances where he just ate the incompletion, just threw the football into the ground at the ground, uh, at the feet of one of his check down options, move on to the next play. And I think about it this way because this offense is so dangerous, so explosive, right? It works a lot like how you hear scouts break down a quarterback like Josh Allen, for instance. When he was coming out of Wyoming, it was, you know, marvel at his physical traits, find a way to increase that completion percentage, and we can start talking about his long-term progress as a quarterback. But you're more willing to live with the occasional misfire or missed layup because you have such a penchant for explosives. You'll take a couple more strikeouts in exchange for driving the ball to the gap and over the fence to get extra base hits, you know, opposed to just trying to put wood on the baseball and hope to leg out an infield single. Like, we're not trying to, you know, have an OPS of 600. We want to drive the ball to the gaps and have a 900 OPS and really impact the game that way. Right? So if we miss the occasional opportunity to run around and hit a positive play, to me, the upshot is far fewer hits in your quarterback. And when this quarterback plays in this offense, it's one of the best offenses in the NFL. And we have a team that can go eight and three over 11 games and really eight no, because the other three games he didn't play. And knowing that you have that opportunity with last year as proof that third and long is hardly an improbable con- conversion opportunity, right? That's It's more probable than it is improbable. And that's the trade-off I think we would all take as fans for this team, right, is ground the ball on first and second down when it's not there and, and live to fight another day because if we have you in the lineup, anything is possible, Kevin Garnett. So with Tua... I saw decisiveness in what he was doing in this practice. He had the usual multiple intermediate rips for chunk gains, finding Waddle, finding Smythe, Wilson, Ezukama. but he also peppered the backs and tight ends in the short game in the check down game before trouble got there. And the innate ability to recognize when it's going to happen quickly and to get the ball out fast is going to pay major dividends for this quarterback. I thought Tua and Mike White really showed their mastery of the craft during the on-air throwing session. And yeah, it's on air, but... If you know what you're watching, you can always find stuff in football. Let's just put it that way. But placement and timing was on the money, man. I thought Tua's best throw of the day was in the team period, moving to his left in a little play-action boot, with Ezukama being tightly covered, coming across the field with him. And Tua just layers this touch pass on the over-out to the upfield shoulder, and it led Ezukama into a big catch-and-run. And I think about how that can complement Tyreek and Jalen, removing the top of the defense, removing the you know particular perimeter part of the defense for that over out from the opposite side of the field. If you can get Ezukama Cedric Wilson going in that area of the football field with Devon Ache in the check down game, like, good luck, man. So a good start there despite some of those early coverage sacks. The defense got some more production, including a Javon Holland interception where he... Got some depth, drove out of the back pedal, stepped in front of a Mike White pass and picked it off and maybe ran it back for six the other way. Tough to call beyond the whistle, but some good stuff there. Let's go ahead and pause for our first break right there and come back on the other side and tell you about who else popped in this practice, including a pair of rookies who I thought shined super bright. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.
0: And brother can go,
2: man, i right there. So stay tuned. We will see it on Amen.
1: <laughs> that is Dolphins running back Jeff Wilson when asked about rookie Devon A chain and whether it was the pass game, the running game. A-Chain making plays, baby. He had a run that I thought maybe went the distance thanks to a really good block from Eric Saubert. He caught everything. He was tough to cover in those one-on-one in a phone booth situations. You know, quick breakdown, break it off right, left, and leave the defender in your dust. He displayed that same smooth route tree we saw him run in college. You know, choice routes, Texas routes, inside, outside, verticals, whatever the case may be. Super impressive first day here for Devon A-Chain. Not the first day, but the first day we got to see him. I I just thought he was... Was impressive man it whether it was you know hitting big runs or making big plays in the passing game I lost count I had him down for three explosive plays and then I think I saw two more might have been one more so it was either four or five I'm not sure but four or five big plays in one hour long practice session that's pretty good uh, pretty good As for the other running backs, I thought Raheem Mostert looked smooth again today. Jeff Wilson had a nice couple of runs inside. On balance, I thought the running offense had the better day between run offense and run defense, and I thought pass defense had the better day between pass defense and pass offense. Uh, Raheem and that innate ability to get skinny through the gap without dis- without decelerating, I think he's a little bit too slept on uh, just from a national perspective. He's a damn good player. At the receiver position, I thought Cedric Wilson and Eric Ezukama showed you what they're all about in terms of how they can complement this roster and that position group. And then Braxton Berrios got in on the action late. More on him in just a moment. But with Cedric Wilson, he was playing fast. He was playing confident. I just thought he looked smoother than he did a season ago. And best of all, the hands looked smooth and natural. We, had, we saw him catch that little, you know, wheel route against the Bills in the snow and make a great play on that football. You know, Tua loves finding those quick-closing windows, and he was peppering them today, but there was one particular throw that wasn't Tua's best. And I love how, a, you know, a bad ball from Tua is still a completion. Other quarterbacks, it gets picked off. This quarterback throws a bad ball, and it's, it's caught. <laughs> it speaks to his accuracy. It's like when a golfer, you know, is upset because he didn't hit the right part of the green on his 190-yard approach shot with the 7-iron. With the And he's like, I I left it 20 feet short. Like, yeah, but you're still dancing. You're still putting for eagle here. But the ball is a smidge behind and a tad bit high. And Wilson just reaches up off frame and snatches that thing and takes off for a big gainer. He made a number of plays in this practice. There was a little swing route to uh, Jeff Wilson where Cedric is that, you know, ex-receiver, and he kind of runs a slant block to to wipe out that side of the field. And I think about his length in that that particular ability and how that can complement, you know, Tyreek and Jalen talking about how you know, Ezukama on the over route takes care of when you run verticals from those guys and he can replace that vacancy there. Similar idea here about taking that X position and removing half of the field and throwing in behind that. There's lots of elements you can play with this offense. Eric Ezukama shined, I thought, even bigger than that. We mentioned the one earlier. There was a play where he caught it closer to the middle of the field and the way he transitioned from route runner to reception to ball carrier looked as smooth as i've seen out here he's also got the isaiah ford short shorts on and dude does not miss leg day to me he's the most physically imposing looking player of the group he can go pluck it he can run after the catch I'm expecting big things for him this season. Uh, chosen Anderson got his conditioning in today. He must have ran 1,000 yards in routes, particularly down the field, and it impacts the game. Whether or not he gets the football or not, it can impact the game, especially in his past with those interior alignments. Look out for that in the future. And then back to Braxton Berrios. Man, he had a nice reception on a deep shot from from Mike White and then won a one-on-one matchup against Cam Smith, where he stacked the rookie and won on a ball from Skyler for about 20 yards. Really good stuff. Before we talk about the uh, rest of the wide receivers here with Jalen Waddell, who broke down some stuff on his media availability, I want to go back to Coach McDaniel here and play some sound for you because I thought this was maybe the best answer from Coach in the entire press conference. Here he is talking about the idea of self-scouting and what he did this offseason. We talked about in the podcast a ton clean up some stuff on penalties, some of the third and short stuff, and this offense can go from really good to all-time great. I'm very confident he'll get this stuff fixed because watching these games back again, if you just get rid of the pre-snap stuff, this offense is going to be unstoppable. That's a promise.
0: You know, it was kind of a critical offseason for me. I didn't look at our offense and say, wow, we did all this stuff good. I saw all the stuff that we could improve upon. Um, Now... The the stuff that uh, you know the players and coaches did last year, that you should minimize that, um, because there was substantial growth, um, to the tune of, you know, improving, uh, quick math 25 spots, um, in uh, in your league-wide ranking, um, that should never be minimized. But that's not where we're trying to go. So, um, you know, I I hit. Uh, you know, the the, the coaching staff um, wa- was ready for the players to get back. And realistically, players love direction. They love, um, you know, it, we need to be better only go so far. So, um, identifying, you know, critical things in our game, you know, an easy one was pre-snap penalties. We were the worst at that. So, um got a lot of a lot of ways to improve there um i think it's important in the off season that you give you know the season there's a lot of things that go into it there's a lot of pressures that you can kind of uh, and you're just trying to win the next game taking a step back i think affords people a little more open-mindedness um and all i've seen is uh a, a An offense, I've seen a team that isn't satisfied with where they were at. They see 2023 as an opportunity um, to, to really move past where we were last year. Um, and that's the way they've approached it. And um, from route running to how we block people um, to everything in between, the consistency of our fundamentals and detail uh, has been huge, and we've had, as a result, Um, I mean, the, the growth that we made in phase one and phase two, uh, relative to last year is astronomical. Like we, we, uh, guys really had a comfort level of what, um, you know, here with the Miami Dolphins, we come to work to get better. Um, and we don't have, we don't spend any time, um, or any focus on anything but that. Uh, and And we know that uh, this game has a place for a lot of us individually as long as we continue to get better. Um, And it's pretty cut and dry, and it should be that way. You know, the coaches, players, we all have um, jobs that are hard to get, um, and you shouldn't the second that you're not trying to get better. um, There's an entitlement there that I don't really think – helps one succeed so um it's been a lot of what we can get better at um if you're if you guys are feeling um i don't know up for it maybe throw me a pat on the back because i haven't given myself many this year
1: let's go ahead and hear from the penguin himself here before our last break who i thought again looked 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 the part waddles a stud an absolute stud but let's go ahead and hear from him on year two in the offense and how it can benefit him and his fellow wide receivers.
2: Oh, yeah, it's just, you know, last year I feel like we was learning. Now we kind of know the the details and what he's looking for, what is looking for. So getting to the spots, um, you know, beating man coverage, things like that. So it's just more knowledge of the offense.
1: So I left off before Waddle there talking about Cam Smith and coverage and Braxton Barros' performance today and the catch he had against Cam Smith. But gosh, Smith looks the part, man. I was so impressed by just the way he moved during rookie minicamp. And then today with his first rep in 7-on-7, a pass breakup where he matched the pattern, clamped it down, drove down the stem, and you see the length come into play with how he can extend around the wide receiver without interfering and turning him with that backhand and making a play on the football. And then later in the day, he came down and played up in Waddle's face, one of the toughest assignments in the National Football League to press Jalen Waddle, and he won. So really excited to watch the way he competes all camp long. I mentioned Holland's interception. I think there was some good stuff there from rookie Kedron Smith. I saw him and Noah Igbenogany communicate and pass off a route really well that I thought was going to come open with Waddle screaming down the field, coming off the line 0-60. to 60. Uh, let's move back to the trenches here a little bit, and we'll do that next on the other side and hear from Christian Wilkins on the day they had. Uh, that the defensive line really got after it in this one, but again, to be fair, no Teron Armstead, no Connor Williams, and the entire D-line was there. Let's talk about that next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. So we did hear from Austin Jackson, Cater Kohu, and I think... And Andrew Van Ginkle, but I didn't get there for those interviews. You have to pick and choose in these days because you get six or seven guys, and it's really going to be you know up to you to get out there and, and get them. So I got Christian Wilkins, Jalen Waddell, a little bit of Austin Jackson, and Jeff Wilson there. But I want to go ahead and play some sound here from Christian Wilkins because the guy is just – everything he does is, is regimented and, and very good. I've been watching the end of last season, and, man, I think you can make a case that regardless of position, team, anything like that, that Wilkins from the Chargers game on was as good as anybody in the National Football League. He was dominant, utterly dominant. And I remember having conversations with him last year in availabilities about the growth that he was demonstrating. And he talked a little bit about his familiarity in the scheme and how it allowed him to go outside a little bit and make plays when he saw those chances develop. So I asked him, how do you start that process now in a new defense?
2: It's the same process. Um, it's going to take a little more work on my end to completely understand the confines of the defense and how things are working, uh, what it looks like, and you know, where I can do certain things and where I can't do certain things. So it's just going to take a lot more work on my part and also building that rapport with new guys on the defense, um, you know, new different backers and everything like that. So, yeah, we all got a good feel for each other.
1: And of course, we know Christian playing on the fifth-year option this season. We've heard Chris Greer talk about the desire to get something done. Here's Christian Wilkins talking about his motivation coming into a potential contract year and how that might motivate him to play this season.
2: I'm always, I'm always motivated, and motivation comes from within, not a dollar amount, but it's just my drive to be the best and be my best. Um, no dollar, you know, changes that, changes my mindset. Um, whether you know something gets done or not, I'm, my approach is always the same.
1: We did get Christian to pat himself on the back a little bit and say that, yeah, I suppose 2022 was my best season, but I thought the rest of it was even better than
2: that. Yeah, I guess you could say that, but it's it won't be my best. That's the that's the goal and that's my mindset. Every time I, every time you know I, I work out, every time I study film, every time I, you know, eat and do that whole process. Like my goal, my mindset is always to be, be the best. So.
1: Let's go ahead and finish up here about the Dolphins adding so many big personalities. Who better to ask about how those personalities mesh into the locker room than probably the biggest personality of all? I don't know. Tyreek Hill might have something to say about that. But here's Christian on all the personalities in that Miami Dolphins locker room.
2: Yeah, I'm already getting tired of Jalen for real. Um, (laughs) No, it's cool. It's definitely just good, you know. And, you know, it's just good to see uh, just to have those guys who've had a lot of success in the league and kind of just talk to them. They pour into us and. You know, just guys you could look to and just talk to who've had a lot of success and kind of, you know, just take things from them, the process, how they approach the game, their mindset, you know, it's always good.
1: And that defensive front got after it during the team session at the very end, especially. I had Chubb with a really nice stack and shed going up against Alec Ingold early on in practice. Man, he he thumped him. It was a good-looking uh, football play out here in the month of May. I had Ogba with a sack early, turning that corner off the left end. And then Jalen Phillips kind of went into unblockable mode there for a while. I had him with two sacks but man, the rushers this defense has, it's it's really something. On top of the fact that you have two guys inside who can three gap so well in Wilkins and, and Sealer. And what Raekwon can do off the nose as well. It's just going to free up those edges even more. Not to mention guys like Josiah Bronson, who had himself a hell of a day as well. He had a couple of plays back to back where it was like, all right, better put 95 in the notes today. I would say the exact same was true of Jalen Twyman, who, you know, both those guys signed future contracts this winter and came out today and had really big, big days on the practice field getting after the quarterback. What else we got here? So Duke Riley was in the orange jersey while War wore it on Monday. Uh, oh, I saw Savon Ahmed catch a pass for a big gain. Tanner Connor got some action in the passing game. He's going to maybe have a chance to play a lot this year. One of the uh, nicer Raheem Mostert runs came off a really good gap-clearing block where Rob Hunt had a down block and wiped out the entire B-gap. I thought Cedric Abwehi really showed you his ability to get out in space, and Xavier Howard put the clamps on a couple of those coverage snaps where he had the or coverage sacks, I should say, where he had a reroute Eric Ezukama that... Really disrupted the timing of the pass, and it wound up going incomplete on a play that typically for this offense is a completion. So, all kinds of good stuff to talk about, all kinds of stuff to work on. That's all I've got for the notes so far today. I love these podcasts so much. We'll have another one for you guys next week. We'll have three of them the following week after that, and of course, round out the schedule with an additional podcast here and there, including Steve Goldstein and Jeremy Tache from Bally Sports. Uh, as well as the Dan Levitard show for Taché to talk about Panthers and Heat, as well as the relationship with the Dolphins and all the four major sports teams here in South Florida. Fun times in this community, man. Very fun. I feel fortunate to be a part of it all. Let's go ahead and call it a day. But speaking of the next few weeks here... Hey Dolphins, Finns Weekend is back and better than ever. This June 2nd through the 3rd, join your favorite Miami Dolphins coaches, players, alumni, and cheerleaders with the 24th annual Finns Weekend featuring a fishing tournament, exclusive parties, and more with all proceeds benefiting the Baptist Health Foundation. Tickets are limited and available for purchase at finsweekend.com. That's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WinkfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. Lusaka Polite's episode just dropped. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron, daddy, is coming home.